is Dance on Air, the podcast, and I'm your host, Jordan McHenry, and I'm here with David Zambrano. Hello. Thank Hello. you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. David, you are the creator of Flying Low and Passing Through. For those who don't know this method, can you explain to us what it is? Yes, I will try to do my best because through the process of development of the methods, my way of thinking has changed. So I define it maybe 30 years ago as something that easier to go into the floor and out of the floor and then with not so much effort. But now I see it more like, like a practice of interconnectivity with the earth and the people that are surrounding around yourself, like uh, the people in the class in this case. So I like very much um, the practice of togetherness, traveling into the earth, a little bit through the earth and come out together and seeing the earth maybe an ocean and you know like a dol- where the dolphins they dive in and then come out and then with the invitation of everybody and then invitation to everybody emerge again out of the ocean so the up and down becomes like a swimming and then the whole room becomes like very like uh, water that image I like to practice now when inside the class when I teach it. How would you describe this method in comparison to more traditional methods like ballet or any kind of modern technique? Yeah. How is it different or more relevant now? Yeah, if we talk about ballet, the classical ballet, I mean, the the, ori- the source, the origin of ballet comes. I don't know so much because I'm not a ballet dancer, but. What I have heard from my ballet friend dancers, they come from the royalty, and, and they had this training of bringing the body into heaven, you know, especially the women. So by doing my dancing, I realized that it's quite beautiful, but it's also so powerful when you are so connected with the earth. So I, re- I realized that the, the way that I developed the two methods has been more related to um, martial arts, where it's practiced the energy come from the earth, than, um, than the classical ballet. However, I love to see um, ballet, and then I love to see the capability of a human being arriving into this way of moving the body, uh, and then also related to uh, sometimes gymnastics or acrobatics. So I think in that way it's uh, going back to the earth. Uh, I would say that you know it would be the difference. You're from Venezuela and you lived in New York City in the 90s. Performed with people like Bill T. Jones and you have influences from people like Trisha Brown. You also said Simone Forte and Alexander Technique. They influence your work, but can you give us a little bit of a historical context for how it developed? Yes, I have to remember a little bit. With Bilty Jones, we just met once, you know, so it's not so, it was mainly uh, to show him that improvisation was not for dead people. So I invited him to perform for a MOVE research benefit in New York in 1998, and then there we performed together for a big public and he enjoyed it very much, and I 
I hoped that that helped to change his opinion from that time. With Trisha Brown, when I arrived in New York City, the two main influences for the movers, no academic dancers, but for people that like to move a lot, in this case, I was one of them. The influences were from Trisha Brown or from um, Steve Paston with Contact Improvisation. And then uh, it was a woman named Simone Forti. When I saw her performing, um, after I've seen a little bit of Steve Paston performing and Trisha Brown performing, I loved the expressions of Simone Forti because it was everything possible to express. I was already practicing that. So it was for me like uh, recognition and also with more knowledge and, and much more power through the, her body to bring um, many times realities in front of our eyes in any kind of workshop or rehearsal or performance. I work with her in different levels as a student, as a dancer from a troupe that she made, and then later as a performing together in invitations of duo. So that I, I really got to see through her body uh, many other things that I couldn't see from other dancers when they were performing. So I, I, I started loving her way. So I followed her for nine years. So that was uh, quite inspirational and also very experiential. We will go many times to like um, nature and then sit and listen to nature and then play it in nature. And then we'll, we will bring that experience to the stage. How that influenced my work? Well, it's no visual, because inside this, the influences in that period and my experience with Simone Forti, I was coming from Latin America and I, I was still loving to dance to music, while they were not loving so much to dance with music. So with them, I would say I learned to dance without recorded music or without live music, you know, it's more like the musicality of the body. So then I... I I continue practicing that in my work, so I learned to be able to perform or teach or dance with music or without music. But still, I, I like very much the music to play with it, especially um, pop music. I'm very sorry for the contemporary world, but I love pop art. I, I love um, popular things and also. And I love also the meticulous work of different research that a lot of older choreographers and in the United States, but also in Europe, they, and, and then in Japan, um, they arrived to, you know, like Buto from Japan, is, I think it's a fantastic work. I never studied all those things, and I never really studied with Trisha Brown, and I never follow any dance steps from Trisha Brown, but her way of thinking of movements got me into discovering other things for myself. The flying low influences, the most influence has been Alexander technique. And that also through John Skinner technique, this, the Skinner release. There, I would say, they, they really influence the, my patterns of how to work with the body. So then with that information, I created some of the phrases that we practice now in the flying low. You talk about the experiential. Yes. And how your work is about the experience of the pathway. Yes. I think. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. 
Um, I find um, very rich when we go through any kind of research in your artwork, in our artwork, with all our senses very well alive, and then to listening, seeing, tasting, touching, you know, censoring every aspect of those moments as we are discovering things, and then um, allowing surprises to happen, and then from there, you know, maybe interest change depending on what it comes in and out. So that, that way of traveling through life I like very much. Much more than rationalizing everything too much and then thinking that we, we know it, but at the same time we haven't experienced it fully yet. That I got a little bit scared and defining things very much because immediately we'll be placed in a box. Yes, because sometimes analyzing things before or after, sometimes it, it's, it's just a, a stop us the way of experiencing an orgasm, for example, you know? So then you can, you can imagine to prepare before and you can imagine after all the scenes why it works so well, but uh, the reality was different. The you words know, the, frame the, it. The words frame it. So I love when, when it's, it's fully body experience. Yes. So, so I went more for that. Flying low and passing through has become extremely popular in Europe over the last decade. Yeah. And one of the moments that so many people reference is this landmark experience in Costa Rica. Yeah, the 50 days. The 50 days. Yes. A lot of people who now teach your work came from that. Yes. Can you tell us what that was? Yes. Um, 50 days workshop, um, it was um, another thing that I selected to celebrate my 50 years old. And my, you know, 50 years of age. So I did 50 days workshop, 50 days painting, 50 minutes performing improvisation. I did 50 villages around the world and I wanted to do 50 days learning how to make shoes. But my, my teacher, my selected teacher got uh, uh, very sick with leukemia, so we had to cancel it. So I did only four of those things, um, but I really enjoyed it. And also it was too much, it was through the whole year. It was one of my best years. The, I selected 50 people from all around the world, not only from Europe, but also from Asia, Africa, Latin America, to, to come to Costa Rica and then and study with me flying low and then passing through. And also for myself to figure out how can I teach the same group more than just two weeks. So far I have been teaching workshops for two weeks maximum. So then in, in that moment I thought, well, what else can I teach after two weeks? So it was really challenging, but also for everybody. When I went there and we started, you know, after two weeks, I realized that there's a lot of more to say. Just when I thought that there was nothing else. So, so that was quite, from my point of view, quite successful. And everybody who was there, they really learned something. When we were there, we went through different aspects of, of life because we, had, we were very close to death. Some of family members of the dancers died during that period. 
And, um, and many, sometimes people get very sick because of the, you know, the insects are in Costa Rica, they live mosquitoes, you know, you get dengue and you get different kinds of fever. And, but we managed to finish it all together. And, and then all these people, well, uh, I'm very happy to say that um, they are all doing something in dance. So for me, it was uh, somehow a great investment uh, worldwide for the dancers. And um, so, yeah, so I was very happy. Now I am planning 60 days of improvisation. Because you turned 60 this year. Yes, and also because I want to make uh, the Art Center, Tic Tac Art Center, which I founded and directed uh, in Brussels. I want very much to make it as a mecca for improvisation. No contact improvisation, but it could happen. But improvisation on a stage for people who are willing to perform anything that they think is possible on the stage immediately in front of people and to do it as, as raw as possible, like sushi, you know. So I like that idea and pretty much that's what had happened through the whole year. We already have one year of celebration. So I hope that we can continue. It's a, so uh, because of that, I wanted to go into my older age to be able to really focus more on what I love to do, which is improvising, researching spontaneously in front of people, you know, designing, composing in front of people. So I, that's why I wanted to do these 60 days. You speak about sociocentric compositions as yeah. opposed to egocentric compositions. Yes, the, the social centric composition, in this case, the passing through composition, because passing through is more than a method is is it composition is it? so i transmit like a choreography that anyone can use like, and then and play with that and then also get a little bit more ready to make maybe their choreography or their life or artistic life and um, uh, social center because it's it's the group that has you know the control of the composition it's not only one leader so we all can become leaders and followers through the whole room. Everybody becomes a single mind. So that's the goal somehow when we do this composition. And, and that's, I related to the, the small village where I have been, where the decisions are made by a community of people. And I found that quite beautiful. And then the, the people with more life experience, they give advices, suggestions. And the people with less life experience, in this case, the younger ones, it has the force and the power, uh, you know, to, to build. So together they, they make the, the village. So I found that very beautiful. So that's, that's a composition that I decided uh, to share more. And the egocentric is more related to my experience in the United States. You can do it by yourself. You can do it on your own. And no matter what, you can do it. Individualism. Individualism. And then also, you know, has influenced for many years our choreographic way. So there's always a soloist. A soloist is very important. And, uh, and it has its beauty also. So I did a piece called Soul Project. Through there, we research on that. So this, the ego brings the public to it. So the public has to go to where the performer is going to do their solo and then um, becomes an egocentric dance. So that's what I call it, egocentric composition. When people describe you, 
that when they describe you to someone who doesn't know you, they use very exciting and um, they, you're described as a personality that has a lot to offer in the studio, but a lot of fire. And last week you said that there's no censorship in art. And right now we're in a phase in the US or maybe globally where PC culture has taken over. Yes. And I think your opinion on this is very important. Yes. I like PC because it reminds me of a personal computers. You know, in the United States, you abbreviate all, all the words. And, and then I remember um, when I got some complaints from my workshops in Vienna, uh, one of the people that works in Vienna, he came to me and said, you know, we had to talk about PC. And I, the first thing I say is, like, personal computers, why we need to talk about that? <laughs> so now I understand uh, the political correctness started from my experience in dance um, at the end of the 80s. What it was, you, you need to learn how to politically say things, you know, correctly, so then you don't hurt anyone. And then in some aspects in our life, yes, that's very important. For example, living in the United States to make jokes about black people, well, I never liked that, I'm, I'm totally against it. Or to make jokes about, you know, women and then they denigrated, you know, like many times in, in Latin America, which is a lot of countries in Latin countries, that's it's very, you know, macho oriented. So then you make a lot of jokes about women and also if they are blonde, it's even worse. So I, I'm totally against that. And then and you have all these jokes against whoever is homosexual or is a little bit different or dresses different than the group, you know, so that I, I never really like. And then you have jokes if people are too fat and, or too skinny or they are losing, they don't have a leg or, you know, from disabled. And I, I never really like that. So, so, so then in that way, yes, I could defend uh, when that comes into a talk especially in a social talk. I remember I, I love to work with people with different sizes. Yes, I, I don't work with people because they are different sizes of different colors, but because they are great performers. So that's my first aim. Soul Project, the piece for the egocentric work, I work with a, a, one of the dancers, a woman, who, who, she was fat, but in a beautiful way, and an amazing performer. So we were invited after the premiere in Amsterdam to perform in the, the day of the dance, which is a big celebration in one of the cities in Holland. And then the two women that were organizing everything, they came to me and they say, you know, we love you to perform that piece, but you had to take that woman out of the group because it's uh, ugly, you know, and insults the women, the daughters of the people that are coming to see the performance. And I, and I thought, no, this must be a joke. No way, I don't do that. So I didn't perform in that place. So when, that, when those things arrive into it, I, I definitely had to pull myself up and, and, and say it. And what happens now, especially nowadays, one thing that I really am concerned is the prohibition of touching people in the, in the dance classes. And um, there I, I have my strong concerns. It goes a little bit too far because there's so much intelligence that happens from the touch. 
Um, I think that uh, it's much better to teach people all the different touches than to prohibit touch. And, and also to teach, in, if, if I allow myself to talk, to teach a lot of... In metaphor. Yes. Yeah. Also for beauty. What it means, beauty. So how to also educate uh, children of the future to see beauty under different aspects, under different sizes. This idea of stereotyping, you know, all our life, or young forever, I think there is where we can work more on the education. What it means for, you know, many women, including, you know, like most of my sisters, but no one, but the other ones, yes, you know, that they became, later they, they learn, is, you know, what it means an orgasm, you know, where it was mainly to please the ejaculation of the man. They never really experienced an orgasm until much years, much later. So how can we also educate that, you know, like to really understand the power of sex? you know many different layers in a healthy way. you know in a very healthy way yes definitely yes so so there for me is the, the main concern i like uh, i i don't i'm not really sure if it's happening but i think uh, jane fonda in an interview in in spain she mentioned that she has been working on an organization for young women to learn about orgasms so I thought that, that uh, maybe it's part of the film that she makes with the other comedian, but, uh, but, um, but I thought that that, that is a, a great step. Um, but who is underneath all this political correctness? That's really a good question. And it's, it's, it's quite strong. I mean, in, in personally, I have got problems because um, I love to teach big groups. And every week I go to different countries. So it's very difficult for me to remember all the names. So then I develop a system to call some people Pedrito or, Madri or Maria or Coromoto or Joseph or, you know. I hardly had problems, but last year I started having problems. So then, you know, some people start complaining, you know, why you call me Pedrito? I'm not Pedrito. And I say, well, I'm very sorry. You can call me Luis. Anyways, <laughs> when we go for performance, we work on transformations. You can imagine every day that you're going to perform a new piece, you have to put a different name. Are you willing to become Luis Miguel, the famous singer in one piece? That doesn't mean that you're going to be Luis Miguel the rest of your life, but you experience the, the potential that we all have for transformation as we become somebody else for a moment, you realize that you can also move like that or talk like that or be like that. So, so that um, exercise, you know, immediately gets eliminated because of censorship. So, uh, so I found that a little bit dangerous. Final question, and this is the question I ask every guest. We call it twirl talk, which is if you could pick a dancer or an artist who's inspiring you right now, who's really present in this moment, can you share it with us? Yes, Patti LaBelle. Patti LaBelle. <laughs> <laughs> Why Patti LaBelle? I think of Patti LaBelle like a goddess. If God would be a woman, it would be Patti LaBelle. <laughs> because when Patti sings, she goes so far. With her voice, she, she takes so much space. She, she makes us travel through so long and big and beautiful places when she goes all the way with her voice.
You know, have you seen her? Ah, life is amazing. Also, is an incredible improviser. All her music is set, but she plays with that. And that for me is also uh, another way to say, you know, uh, fantastic improvisation because she doesn't uh, leave anyone out of the game when she performs. Everything is there. The attention and attention that she keeps through a whole show is incredible. And uh, it's, it's my dream to get to know her. One day I really hope to, to be able to, to just say hello to her, you know. I said it was the last question, but this is actually the last question. <laughs> After you're long gone and I'm long gone and the dance communities have shifted and changed and morphed into whatever the future holds, what do you want for future generations in the dance okay, community? Okay, uh, my uh, hope is that hope stays and then people doing what they really love to do. Yes. I think we spend too much time in doing things that we don't really like and we wait until we get older to do what we love. You know, I think this is a wasting of time. So I really, really hope that we also get educated to really find what we love to do. I think maybe just a few percentage of, of the world, you know, people are doing what they love to do. And, you know, that's for me is sad. There are so many types of love. I mean, that's for sure. But there, um, the, what I have, once again, I'm sorry, experience is when you really fall in love, it's, it's like you are in it. You, every part of you. Like you know? the ocean. Yes. And then when that happens, I will advise people don't let it go so easy because it doesn't happen so often. So, you know, it would be some sacrifices and some things to make that continue. Same thing if I love performing improvisation. That doesn't mean that all my performance and improvisation are going to be fantastic. And then when they don't work, I had to quit it because it didn't work. No, I really, I'm really with this because when it happens, it's unforgettable. And when you fall in love, it's unforgettable. This is like, in, you know, it could be your dog, your cat, you know, your friend, family members, you know, but when it happens, just, you know, give some water every day to that because it, it's beautiful. David Zambrano, thank you so much for yeah. being with you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome.